Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. So good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, January 25th, 2016. Amazing how time does fly, and there has been one heck of a wild ride this week or this year so far in what's going on in the markets. And uh, so it's no wonder that we have focused on the hot topic of what is going on, what's economic forecast, where is interest rates going, where is housing going. And uh, this week is our last week on this topic, and to Put it all in perspective, Les Parker took the time to go back and listen to all the previous economists, and he's going to bring it in with and really tie it together. So grateful for everyone who has been on the podcast talking this so far this year, and excited to have Les on the topic and uh, today. So Les Parker will be joining us in the Hot Topics segment. Again, he is with Loan Logics, and uh, as, as, as Brian Fitzpatrick, who's the president of Loan Logics, introduces him, is one of frustrated economists. So, uh, he, armchair quarterback, armchair economist, but he's crazy accurate on this. And uh, so, looking forward to having him bring it all and tie it all together for us. Again, this podcast broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we are the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. We're very grateful for that. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. A special thank you goes out to one of our newest sponsors, Arch Mortgage Insurance, the creator of the new innovative RateStar product that is uh, you're going to hear more about a little bit later in the podcast. Also, VELMA stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. is dedicated to helping you build stronger and more profitable relationships. They have a wonderful set-it-and-forget-it auto campaign, but they also work with campaigns on the fly. Check them out at VELMA.com, the nation's easiest and most affordable, powerful marketing platform you could use. I encourage you to check them out, VELMA.com. Also, Motivity Solutions is a new sponsor. Excited to have them here with us, and they are the nation's uh, leading business intelligence technology, providing real-time reporting and dashboards and scoreboards. And we, of course, have the KPI of the week, something we're getting a lot of positive feedback on and looking forward to having that a little bit later in the podcast. Also, special thank you goes, of course, out to Alice and Joe and Andy and Paul and Sam and Ann and all everyone who makes this program so such a powerful uh, program and the most listened to podcast in the industry. We're honored by that. Quick update on MBA conferences that are coming up. We have the January 28th whole loan trading conference matter of fact that is now sold out so if you didn't get there too bad so sad it's uh coming up at the end of the month you can contact the nba see if you can still get in but it was sold out the last time i checked uh the national uh mortgage servicing conference is coming up february 16th through the 19th and then also we have the midwinter housing finance conference there at the ritz carlton in uh, bachelor gulch in uh, avon Colorado, and then also March 10th, we have the Condominium Lending Workshops, uh, Challenges, Opportunities. Hmm, interesting. Didn't know they had that one going, so that's a new one. And then, of course, we have April 3rd through the 6th, the National Technology and uh, the Tech Conference for the MBA. 
that's going on at the JW Marriott in Los Angeles. I'll be there and uh, hopefully doing a podcast from there. So real excited to be a part of that. Check out every, all the conferences at MBA Conferences and Education. Joe Farr, let's – oh, MBA Mortgage Alliance. I tell everybody to get signed up for it. Check it out, Mortgage MBAs, Mortgage Alliance. Google it. Get signed up. It's free. You do not have to be a part of the MBA. It's a way to get the word out on everything legislative that Alice talks about all the time. So, Joe Farr, good to have you here at the podcast. Morning, Dave. Yeah, a part of the broadcast. Good to have you. And uh, so I've got your website up here. Another day where markets are falling and mortgage-backed security prices are up. So what's up, man? Well, it is a little more of the same, you know. A lot of uh, we're we're up four thirty seconds, where that's a little below where some people have priced. Uh, a lot of people might have priced it up six thirty seconds, so not much movement so far. And uh, you know, again, this morning's uh, market movement was uh, MBS price movement was tied to the stock market movement, which was tied to oil prices. So. More of the same. That's uh, pretty much what's been going on this morning. Apparently, I, I, I didn't read exactly what they said, but it was uh, Saudi Arabia had indicated no intent to slow production, and that uh, obviously has an impact on supply and demand and, and not a good one for oil prices, but a good one for mortgage rates. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, last week was another one of those volatile weeks, Joe, so run us through what Well, it was, but, you know... At, at, by the end of the week, there's almost no change in rates. It's uh, uh, one of the first weeks in, in several where we haven't seen a pretty good improvement. But uh, you know, it's, it, it, since it, December 29th, we have been on still on a very, very uh, direct path higher for mortgage MBS prices and, and lower for mortgage rates. So it's been good to see. Uh, and you know, again, MBS mortgage rates have been tracking. Stock prices, which have been tracking oil. Uh, interesting article in the uh, Wall Street Journal about the the correlation being at an incredibly high uh, rate. Uh, the correlation of 0.97 for the movement between prices, the S and P, and and oil. Uh, so it, it really has been interesting to watch, and and apparently both of uh, you know MBS price, not MBS prices but uh stock and and oil prices are are reacting to whatever comes out about the pace of uh, global economic growth so uh during last week and part of the reason we saw things happen the way we did uh uh during the week China reported fourth quarter GDP had fallen to 6.8% which sounds like a big number but it's a whole lot Lower than it has been running. In fact, that's the lowest uh, for the year, 6.9%, the lowest rate in 25 years. Uh, also, last week, Mario Draghi came out and hinted at uh, more stimulus from the ECB. Uh, the, the eurozone's inflation rate is uh, is barely above zero, and and uh, Mario Draghi said that they would be considering more stimulus at their next meeting, at their March meeting. Uh, also, uh, Japan. On Friday, Japan's finance minister came out saying that they were considering more stimulus. Uh, so all this is in reaction to slowing global economic growth. In the U.S., uh, we had a couple pretty uh, interesting things come out. The December CPI, uh, it, it yeah. the headline CPI, uh, was only seven tenths of a percent on a on an annualized basis, and and that's that's obviously well below the Fed's 2% limit. It does include the impact of falling oil prices, but that's a very real effect on the economy. You know, people are paying less at, less at the pump, and the cost of goods uh, 
are beginning to uh, drop as a result of uh, costs, uh, the energy costs to produce them. Uh, also last week, existing home sales came out, and it showed just how difficult implementation of TRID had been. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, the, the 11% drop in November uh, versus a 15% increase in December. Uh, we'll see, I guess, after a while how real that is as we start to see things average out and the, the initial impacts of the uh, TRID requirements are are behind us. Uh, last week, we also saw housing starts ever good. Home builder sentiment was uh, unchanged, but at a pretty good level. All right, so this week, David, I, uh, you know, it could be another volatile week. We've got uh, uh, starting with the Fed meeting. It's on Wednesday. Uh, announcement will be read, I believe, at two o'clock for their statement, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how different their statement is. I mean, there's been a lot to happen since their December meeting when they raised rates, and and since there have been very real signs of China slowing, you know, the falling oil prices the impact on low inflation. I mean, so it could be uh, uh, a report not many people are going to feel like they know what's going to happen coming out of it. Now, there's not going to be be any change in Fed funds rates. I don't see them announcing that. Uh, But they certainly are going to have to address these issues and and tell the market what they think about them. So uh, it'll be a good time to be paying attention to the market. Uh, we also get to see a first look at fourth quarter GDP for the U.S. That comes out on Friday. Consen- consensus calls for that to be only nine-tenths of a percent growth. Uh, we'll see housing data, and, and this is going to be the new home sales on Wednesday and the pending home sales on Thursday. And yeah. since both of them are measured based on uh, contracts signed but not yet closed, I think we're going to see some more distortion from the issues that, that caused existing home sales to slow. I think we might see increases in, in both of those that probably should have gone away due to uh, you know closing in November, but they didn't. So right. we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, durable orders on Thursday. So a pretty busy week. Uh, there's also some consumer information. Sentiment comes out tomorrow. Uh, is that sentiment or... No, it's confidence tomorrow, and then the second confidence, look at yeah. consumer sentiment, sentiment on, on Friday. Friday. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I remember. Of course, I'm on your website so much, I'm almost getting this stuff memorized, and it's just a there you go to the industry. I mean, I, I don't know how people do it, Joe. I sincerely don't. It's not only great to have you as a, as a participant in here, but I, I just have such a conviction that you know your service is just spot on for what the need is out there in the market. So, folks, if you want to learn how to get signed up with the best service. As far as what's going on in the markets, stay tuned. Listen to this ad. We'll be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteland delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect and know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. 
success. Good to have you with us, everybody. So much going on out there in the market. But, you know, we're thinking about everyone who's digging out from the snow last week. I'm looking for Paul Malo. I did not hear from today. Normally, if he can't be on, he emails me. But I do not see him logged in here today on, the, on this. At least, Paul, if you're in here, redial in and press 1 so I can see at the top of the list here. I've got a lot of people dialed in today. But it was quite a snowstorm but, uh, back there, and so... D.C. was big-time impacted, so it would be surprising. He's still digging out from all of that. But it's good to have uh, the relationship with Inside Mortgage Finance. Again, check out their website, www.imfnews.com. I'm really interested in uh, the article. I encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, I'd rather have Paul be here to talk about it. But um, what I am looking at right now is what's really on here. Interesting is realtors chime in about TRID delays. And there's a couple quotes. There's one realtor in here that's quoting. This is a Thomas Ressler put this article out, and he says, you know, he's talking about communication by lenders, and he really points the finger. Says lenders do not communicate well with real estate agents. With TRID now, in effect, I feel like I'm flying blind trying to organize and coordinate and keep things on track. Now, that is a quote that is toxic and uh, to the industry, and it's a real finger-pointing. And you guys know if you're whether or not, and he's, by the way, a realtor in North Carolina, and uh, he should be happier today with the Panthers having one, but, you know, uh, we'll see. If <laughs> but the reality is, is how are you communicating? I'm really looking forward to getting Alice's feedback here in just a minute. But I want to point out WWWIMF News, uh, Paul Malo, I hope you, if you're listening, I'd uh, love to have you back. Look forward to having you back next week. Hopefully you dig out from all your snow that you've had. It's been a crazy, crazy year. Uh, uh, you know, or crazy amount of snow up there this year is what I was trying to say. So, Alice, good to have you with us as you are here so faithfully each and every week. Appreciate it so much. I thought that was an interesting article, Alice, that Thomas Ressler wrote at the IMF News about how realtors are really, you know, coming back and pointing the finger at lenders. I mean, as if they're not somewhat, you know, you know they're not, their hands are clean from it. I, I want to go, well, what's your part in this? I mean, you just just pointing fingers at the mortgage industry realtor, or are you trying to be a party to help this? So, Alice, your thoughts? Well, right. Well, the realtors really play a small role in actual numbers that have to be exchanged back and forth, but they do play a major role in that communication loop, right, and setting the right expectations. So I think that's part of our challenge today is, you know, still getting purchase agreements that maybe have a closing date that's too tight based on what the lender's able to meet. And we're still all trying to work that out, right? Um, We did get recently just, um, there was a top 10 of issues that was cited um, that was in the RESPA alerts. So it was Mark Straybaugh and Richard Horn. They put together a list of the top 10 common TRID violations. And Denise Kowalski here, our compliance expert, she and I spend a lot of time with lenders on the phone going through different compliance questions. And we are out at lender shops seeing how they're doing things. And this list is pretty close to kind of the pain points that we're feeling behind the scenes that are really hitting the realtors, I'm sure. And that's just constant back and forth with the CD itself. We're trying to get it out early. We're not in good communication with the title companies, especially for the national lenders that own them close relationships, and we're just not able to get those fees exactly right early on. And the fee names aren't consistent. You know, we have to worry about spacing and dashes and the word title first and exact matches, so that creates the challenge. Um, the realtors have to be aware of is this idea of can they get the form now ahead of time? 
and they maybe they want it, but the reality is we've got privacy issues uh, by giving out that form. It's got a ton of information on it, and my position is I take a very conservative position on this that my, my borrower can't waive a federal right. My privacy obligation is to them. I deliver forms to them. If the borrower wants to deliver it to the realtor, let them go ahead and do what they want. But the realtor may be feeling the pinch on that as well, that a lot of companies have limited their communication with them because of the extent of the information on the form, and therefore it's up to the borrower to try and tie some of these pieces together, and, and that they could find that some frustration too as well. So uh, we're still working it out. It's still new, right? This December yeah. was really one of our first months where we were hitting probably 80 90% of the loans were going to be uh, trade closings. In January, you should be much closer to 100%, so we'll see. Um, so we're all struggling with that as an industry, and people are all kind of looking at each other. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? We still don't have construction mm-hmm. to perm worked out. So for those of you who were watching the news and saw that the CFPB about the, uh, well, a week or so ago put out a new construction fact sheet, there weren't any new facts on it. <laughs> they just said what we already know. <laughs> I don't know why the government thinks they do that all the time. Part of me, they do that all the time. They'll, you'll call them up and say, hey, I don't have the answer to my question. And they'll just read to you within the guide. And you go, well, I, I read that. It didn't answer my question. So CFPB did the same thing here. They said <laughs> they'll perhaps provide additional guidance in the webinar. So we'll wait and hopefully they actually answer the question. What do I do when I'm trying to fill in a CD and an LE for construction or permanent? Do I answer the questions related to the interest-only period, or do I answer the questions based on the end financing, and how the heck do I get an APR calculated correctly based on which one of those paths I take? They really seem to be leaning to, well, then fill out two separate forms. Well, if I'm a borrower, that's pretty confusing and doesn't make sense. So that's where our gap is in construction to permanent stuff still. Uh, last but not least, folks, there is still this pending um, rule you need to respond to. CFPB is floating out there to get comments on the HUMDA resubmission guidelines. These are really tough and important regulatory boundaries you have to understand, right? So if I have errors on my HUMDA report, I have resubmission requirements. If I have errors, I could be subject to a more extensive audit by the CFPB. So they've asked quite a few questions here. Um, They've asked probably what looks like about 12 or so questions about HUMDA reporting. And you want to walk through these and make sure you respond carefully about how we think it makes sense for home to reporting. And, Dave, I know we're on the economic topic this month, uh, but maybe we can save a few, a little bit of time for this on the uh, home to topic and maybe a, a future show here so lenders know what to look yeah. for. Your ears on your home to report um, can be looked at horizontally, vertically, and CFPB has some hints in here that they're going to start looking at treating systemic errors differently from non-systemic. They're hinting around they're going to start looking for key fields that may weigh more differently than other fields. So that, to me, is where you want to respond. What do you think to be a key field I have to get right? Leave it up to them. They're going to call all 40-some-odd future fields key fields. <laughs> you want to get that list shortened up. So anyway, that's my two cents for today, Dave, and I'll turn it back to you. Good. I just made a note. Email you get it. You I get a time booked. We have so many people coming on with the, all that's going on with TRID, but I, I would love to... Um, 
get that done here real, real soon here. Towards the end of February is what I'm looking at, possibly. Alice is the first opening we have on the podcast. But I would like to, we need to get that out as soon as possible. Very good. Appreciate it so much. Thanks so much for, again, you're, all you do, you've got to be one busy lady and do taking time with uh, one busy person. Uh, with all that's going on with Trid, and, and i got to tell you, folks, you need to get Alice in there to work with you. You're, you're going to have someone who's a pro who is pro your operation and will help you work through a lot of these issues. So stay tuned. We're going to be back with Sam Garcia right after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Good to have you with us, everybody. Sam Garcia dialed in from uh, relatively warm, uh, dry, no snow, white stuff, uh, Texas. So it's great to have you here with us, Sam. And uh, I don't know, did you get a chance to watch any football over the weekend? I mean, are you picking any of the Super Bowl? Uh, who are you picking for the Super Bowl? Any any ideas? You, you know, I wouldn't like to. I wouldn't like to say. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't like to to pick a side, but uh, I will say that I was at the Cowboys games when the uh, Panthers were there, and uh, it was a confident crowd, and rightly so. Oh, man. Yeah, those guys are just, they're looking so strong. Well, looking strong is also your website and a lot of great information on it, and so let's cover what's on the headlines and some of the things you have. Good compliments to you again on the website, folks. I'm talking to Sam Garcia, by the way, for Mortgage Daily. He's the president and founder of that. And check out the website, www.mortgagedaily.com. Sam, great to have you here with us. What you got? Uh, I got some good news. Uh, the, our mortgage market index was up 5% last week, and, and that index is a reflection of uh, per-user rate locks by clients of open close. So business was better. And um, jumbo business soared by 40%, so it took a much bigger leap than any other category we tracked. Um, we put out our mortgage uh, employment index this, this today, actually, and we estimated in that report that there are 644,300 people in mortgage jobs as of the third quarter, um, and that was that was a I don't know about 14,000 more than a year earlier. So there was some growth, at least on oh, a year-over-year basis. And is that uh, and all Wisconsin- in? Is that is that all in, Sam? Does that include independents and the big banks or the banks that are involved in it? Because I know some surveys only include some parts of it. So is that an all-inclusive number? Yeah, that that estimate by us includes banks and credit union uh, mortgage employees. And independent mortgage bankers. Good. Good. Yes. Good. Yes, Thanks. Exactly. All right. Um, so uh, we uh, found that we, we track uh, layoffs and, and hirings where we can find them uh, by by company and also by state. And in Wisconsin, there were more than 700 more layoffs than there were hirings tracks. That was uh, the biggest loss we saw of any state. Um, And one of the companies that has cut recently jobs is Residential Credit Solutions. They're in Fort Worth, and they notified the Texas Workforce Commission that they're cutting 134 jobs in Fort Worth. Um, And the layoffs are part of a closing of that location, which also happens to be their headquarters, 
Um, we talked to their a spokeswoman who was supposed to get back and confirm whether actually the company was remaining open or not, and that call never happened. So we don't know at this point uh, whether Residential Credit Solutions is continuing business. Um, we we also reported on some uh, layoffs over at Redwood Trust. That company disclosed plans to get out of GSE lending so it won't do originations for loans that are going to be sold to Fannie or Freddie. Um, and as a result, it plans on cutting a quarter of its staff. Um, Ellie May put out its origination insight report, and that indicated that conventional loan share rose to 65% in December from 64% a month earlier, whereas FHA share slipped, slipped uh, to 22% from 23% in November, and VA share dipped to 9% from 10%. So government share in December down based on uh, Ellie May's report, which is on closed loans. Um, the Mortgage Bankers Association uh, raised its 2016 origination forecast to $1.38 trillion, and that was up from last month when it predicted the number was going to be uh, $1.32 trillion for this year's origination. So uh, they're a little more optimistic uh, uh, about where we're going with originations this year. Um, uh, there was the Virginia Attorney General Mark Herring, he, he filed a lawsuit, uh, and he was seeking as much as $1.2 billion uh, over losses uh, to the state's retirement system. Um, that lawsuit was apparently settled last week for less than $0.1 billion, so uh, didn't get as much as he had hoped on that. Um, Quicken Loans reported as part of the Mortgage Daily Origination Survey that it closed $79 billion in loans during 2015. That was up from $59 billion a year earlier. So they, uh, they've done better on a year-over-year basis. Um, and then uh, while most lenders that have been reporting so far this quarter have indicated a quarter-over-quarter quarter decline in originations for the fourth quarter, Bank of America reported that its originations were up uh, 1% in the fourth quarter. So they kind of bucked the trend uh, of what we've been uh, reporting on otherwise. Uh, and then finally, SunTrust Mortgage, uh, they reported that their originations were down 20% uh, from the third quarter to the fourth quarter, and that wound up being $5 billion. And it looks like SunTrust is going to even have a potentially slower following quarter, which would be the one we're in now, uh, because the applications dropped by a $1 billion dollars. Uh, in the last report. So we'll see where they come out, but uh, those are some of those headlines we've got for this past week. Great great headlines, good stuff, Sam. Great, appreciate it. For those that Thanks. are not signed up with the uh, Mortgage Daily website, I encourage you to do so. Go to mortgagedaily.com or email sam, sam Garcia at mortgagedaily.com or call them 214-521-1300. Sam, thanks so much for being here. Good job. Kudos to you on our great website and a great product. I'm in it all the time using it. I love your report. I keep talking about your reports. It's really good stuff. So good to have you here, Brandon. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. I'm excited to have, uh, as one of our newest sponsors, Arch Mortgage Insurance. And uh, we have... uh, uh, some comments recorded by the chief marketing officer there, Jim Dump, a good friend, and very excited about his partnership with us. So I want you to hear about the Raystar program. This is something that if you're not familiar with, I want you to listen and then contact your Arch Mortgage Insurance representative. Listen. Hello, David. Always a pleasure to be on the program. Today I want to share some information about ArchMI's most dynamic and competitive MI rate program. It's called ArchMI Ratestar. 
and it's a revolutionary mortgage insurance pricing solution that goes well beyond traditional MI rate sheets to provide competitive rates matched precisely to your borrower. And is now available for customer use. The new program allows for Archimai's customers to obtain the most precise mortgage insurance rate possible for each loan they insure with Archimai. Archimai RateStar has already generated tremendous customer interest and enthusiasm for this new, more precise approach to pricing mortgage insurance coverage. We are confident that mortgage originators will recognize that Archimai's RateStar is easy to access, it's easy to use, it's really innovative, and it delivers some of the most competitive rates in the industry. RateStar is available to customers via Archimai's website, archimai.com, and the mobile app is available for Apple and Android devices. It is fully integrated with most loan origination systems and products and pricing engines. And with that, David, I will turn it back over to you and say thank you very much for the time. You bet. So good to have your contribution here. And a special thank you to everyone at Arch Mortgage Insurance for being here. So, Jim, thanks so much for getting us a good word here. Um, check them out again at Arch. Uh, now, now, I've got their website. I clicked on their website, and I Googled it, and it came up with uh, – uh, mi.archcagroup.com, or you just do what I did, just Google Mar- uh, Arch Mortgage Insurance, and you'll go right there. It's prominently displayed. Other thing you can do is just go to Lick It On Lending, click on the link that's on the website there, and it'll take you right to where you need to go. So excited and glad to have them as sponsors to the broadcast. You know, another sponsor we have is uh, Motivity Solutions, and I encourage them. I'm so excited about the KPIs that they do each and every week, and I'm excited to share those with us, with you. So we've got John Maynell with us. So uh, what do you have for us now? Hello, David. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is related to TRID, obviously a very popular topic. And the KPI is Processing to Closing Days. Now, this is what we call a days between metric, and the interesting thing about this and other TRID-related measurements is that the focus is actually on a future date, which is, of course, the estimated closing date, and how far in advance an application must be submitted to processing to allow enough time to finish the file and deliver the closing disclosure three business days ahead of the closing. Our clients leverage this KPI by having their Movation Mortgage Business Intelligence Platform automatically flag those loans that are at risk of not being submitted to processing with enough lead time to comply with TRID. Now, this leads to much better resource allocation and pipeline management and shows once again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you again and turn it back to you. Check it out, folks. It's uh, the KPIs that you can get out of this from this dashboard system. It's really important that you be measuring your business. I agree with the the statement. What you measure gets uh, results and uh you, you just got to, if you don't have the solution, more and more of our clients, I, am, I actually insist on a long-term relationship. I want them to have Motivity. How else can we do it? If we're not measuring it, how can we manage it? So check it out at MotivitySolutions.com or call 303-721-9000. Check them out. They also we, they are also on our website. You can click on the link or click on their um, ad, and it will go right to their website. Good to have everybody with us. I'm excited to have as our special guest, Les Parker, he is a dear friend and someone I've known for more years than he and I probably care to think about because our minds are so old we are. But Sam, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm thinking I'm looking at Sam's ad here from uh, Mortgage Daily. Something caught my eye on it. But uh, but Les has been someone that has been a leader in our industry, and so many people know him for so many things. Uh, I like recently when Brian Fitzpatrick, president of, of – um, of, um, 
Loan Logics, uh, who Les is now working with and for, is uh, he's a frustrated economist. So I think he's more than that. He is uh, he has helped so many companies through hedging difficulties. What's going on? And so today, I've asked Les Parker, who is a regular guest on the program, to come in and give us clarity on all the things we've been talking about this whole year. I mean, this first month, this whole month, uh, this year, I guess, if I could say this whole year, it's all of one month. So anyway, Les, good to have you here. And uh, I, 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 Les, it's, I just want to make sure your mic's on here, here before I go to doing one other thing here. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Yes, you're alive. Well, you publish a, a, a very excellent blog each and every day with market commentary, and I've been reading it for years. It's just, in my opinion, one of the best ones out there. But one of the things you do there that I think is just such a crack up is you're always referencing a song. So to stay in tradition with your writing blog, we've got to play this little clip of a song to intro your section. So here we go. Well, boys, I reckon this is it. Nuclear combat toe-to-toe with the Ruskies. So we're going to how I learned out. to stop worrying and love the so mom. How I learned. <laughs> yes. So okay, Leslie, so you write each week and give us these wonderful insights of the market and what things are going on. So uh, tie this into so you know that came from Doctor Strange Love. It's a, a movie I have not gotten. Mm, so give us a little background and then let's get into the hot topic today. So sure. Why did you, you know it is interesting yeah. about some of these old classic movies. Uh, and this yes. is up there. It's short, it's, uh, but it has a lot of interesting art to it. Uh, but the subtitle is How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. And it has Peter Sellers appearing in three, I think, four different characters uh, throughout the movie. Um, but it is dealing with the fail-safe failing. So that a nuclear... Um, event, it comes together and they're negotiating with the Russians and um, then uh, it, and so they have to call back all the squadron. One, the planes are going to go drop their their bombs in Russia and Russia's getting ready to send things to us, but everybody calls it off. But one plane makes it through because their equipment had all gotten shot up and everything when the Russians were trying to shut them down and um, they didn't know that they had not gone down and they actually end up writing it. And that's the famous scene at the end of the movie is with uh, Slim Pickens, who's the actor um, playing Major, I can't remember his name now, um, riding this A-bomb because he couldn't come out of the the, uh, the launcher. He gets down there and fiddles around, and finally it it flies on down, and then World War Three begins. It's a whole, you know, it's a, it's a, an interesting so, story. But actually, what I wanted to deal with Dave, is that, yes, is that how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Well, which bombs are we dealing with? We're dealing with debt, sovereign debt, business yeah. debt, personal debt. We're dealing with junk bond spread significantly widening the oil boom and bust. We're dealing with deflation, deflation or. Uh, uh, devaluation. We're talking about the risk of dirty bombs, uh, Syrian migration in the Islamic Jihad, asset bubbles, QE, excess reserves, 
and the and how we're ever going to get the velocity of money. To me, almost all those are bombs that we either we have to stop worrying about and learn to love these. And then, how do we make money? How do we survive? How do we thrive in these environments? And, and and to say that these things are not playing into them to some degree or another, you look at the. I mean, what's been driving the markets since the beginning of the year, of course, has been macroeconomic issues, China primarily. So let's take a look and start there. And then, uh, uh, folks, the listeners, a lot of times we have a lot of prepared questions, but Les is one of those people we have on so much, and we're just going to really dialogue with them. And so I want to start with that, Les, the external macroeconomics. What is that something that we just going to, because of all the issues you just named, are going to continue to be market drivers this in 2016, or is this just a bad start and then we're going to get back to something normal? <laughs> well, the Fed mo- is moving us to normalization. Just ask them back in December, right? <laughs> okay. A little cynicism so in that our, comment. We're on yes. a path to normalization. I don't know what your question is really about. Don't you trust <laughs> the Fed? You should. It's the lender's last resort. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so much for the cynicism of science. So get right. <laughs> for those that don't know less as well, I, I you did send you a so. couple of questions. Check your email. You've got yes. a couple of questions. But, I do. I um, do see some here. So if I think Joe Joe Farr actually is you know, obviously listening to what he said today, he really summarized what the whole environment is right now. So folks, if you you need to be paying attention, Joe. He does a good summary uh, each week I hear it. I find it very uh, insightful. And right now, it's uh, there's a lot of panic out there. Uh, you look at uh, Divas, or I'm not quite sure how you pronounce the city in Switzerland where they just had their... Uh, Davos. The world, Davos. You know, yeah. Davos. Uh, yeah. World Economic Summer. <clears throat> and uh, this last... Uh, and when we were out the, last there uh, this early uh, May of last year, uh, that was I was going to go to Divas, but decided to go uh, a different direction. Uh, but we uh, did spend some time in Basel. But there's there's a lot of it bothers me now that what I've been thinking for the last year or two it's starting to coalesce. So I'm not quite sure what that means. I don't tend to want to be too much with the crowd, but yet sometimes when the crowd is all going one direction, that is where we're going to be going. Uh, so it does seem that right now the crowd is of the mindset that uh, China is a huge problem and right. that it is going to slow down more than anticipated. Uh, in fact, I have some numbers on that if you'd like me to share them. Yeah, David. yeah. Uh, I thought the fact they're up you know, on the website for those that are not tuned in and looking at that. So let's cover some of those and then uh, let's let's go for that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, you know it's interesting about China since it is more, a little bit more of a uh, a uh, command economy, right? So where the government right. is kind of dictating things. They're trying. They've been moving towards free markets. In fact, one analyst I read talks about how China is moving towards us and we're moving towards them. And mm-hmm. that is the general sense that China once has declared that they are going to have 6% growth this year. Well, um, I mean, you can declare all you want, but how does it in fact happen? 
there's many analysts that say, are pointing to China's transparency or lack thereof. That's really the problem, that it's difficult to fully understand what's happening except looking at things on the periphery. So some of the best analysts that I follow are looking more at 3 to 4% growth for China. Uh, this next wow. year, that would be below expectations. That would create problems. Yeah, big problems. I mean, because we, we we look at how much the world economy has benefited from whatever you would characterize expansion. I I, I look at these cities, the the ghost cities of China. If anyone's seen those videos, it, it just kind of tells you what a what a sham that whole thing is over there. So I mean, I, I look at that and I go, that kind of growth is very concerning. Uh, because uh, it, it's going to have an impact on world markets. And then, but what about monetary policy? I mean, when you look at uh, what's going on, and we're, you know, are we going to? We're not going to respond with another round of quantitative easing. At least, hope not. But you know, or should we? I mean, you look at the inequities between global currencies, and I'm thinking of the book Currency Wars by James Rickards. Um, He's, he marketed that as the next global crisis, and it's being, it's playing out just as he said. What are your thoughts about this? I mean, and what you, any thoughts on what the Feds might be doing as it relates to uh, keeping us in the game economically? With the well, UFL? I'll tell you what. Uh, I feel like I'm on a debate panel now uh, with the presidential candidates because you just gave a very long <laughs> question that I can go about 15 different directions on. Um, it's, so thank you for that. Um, it has been when we talk about monetary policy, you can't, you must understand it is not just the Fed. If there's one thing I would like your listeners to be able to walk away from today is please think outside the United States. It is so easy to think about our jobs and being in the mortgage business, thinking of GSEs because they fully control the market right now, realizing right. that the Fed is owns so much of the mortgage mortgage debt outstanding or the more recent mortgage debt outstanding that that makes our market very, in a certain sense, predictable. Right. But um, U.S. Treasuries are not a domestic instrument. U.S. Treasuries are the international liquidity vehicle. So nations uh, and businesses around the world have their assets for liquidity purposes tied up in U.S. Treasuries. And that's why when people talk about, well, will they start selling U.S. Treasuries? They're selling U.S. Treasuries every single day, and they're buying them also. Um, It's to, to think that someone's going to dump the most liquid instrument in the world to go where? You, 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 there's not enough German bonds out there. There's not enough of the um, the English uh, gilt out there. Where are, you, where are you going to be investing? So you have to have assets, and you have to have them sitting on your balance sheet, and there are certain requirements. That in itself makes the U.S. currency so strong and also does mean that our monetary policy has an influence. Um, but... What ends up impacting things is how money is moving around. So that gets into currencies, and that gets into how your currencies will go up and down. And when you talk about currency wars, which we have been in, I know that some people poo-poo this idea, 
But there's been a race to the bottom in currencies going on for a while because it's an easy way to hide bad problems in your country. If you can devalue it, then you can make it feel like there's economic activity, but in fact you're undermining um, the, the wage base of your nation. That's really the, the underlying negative effect to devaluation. Yeah. And we are going to see significant devaluation of currencies, more than we've seen, over this next year, because this is the year of the, of the great repricing. That's that's what I want to get to because when you're talking, what are the impacts of the great repricing? And then Joe, I'm going to toss the mic over to you. Could get some questions ready here, so let you jump in, then go to Alice. So, what do you mean by the great repricing? You've mentioned that before. I've I've, uh, I've heard you comment, make comments about that when we're together. What is that about? Well, when uh, I at one point last year I was using the term uh, flash deflation to where we could have a very rapid decline in prices, which will enable money to actually move from being on the sideline into risk-on uh, transactions, where they would buy factories or they would buy whole companies. Um, but the, the key for investors to really move significant monies that's sitting still on the sidelines is they have to, review, they have to be able to have lower cost bases than with the current world is offering for these type of assets. So how do you see, uh, how can you get investments, a factory, a commercial building, um, uh, uh, mineral reserves, um, or, a, or a company, how can you see these get repriced? Well, it, one way is you can have deflation. You can have a general uh, decline of okay. uh, price levels. Another is you can have devaluation. So you could have devaluations of currencies, which will end up affecting the, how, other, how foreign investors can come in and buy your assets. So if the, um, let's say the, uh, the Brazil real really significantly drops in value, its currency in value, but yet the dollar is still strong, then an investor in the United States, their dollars are worth more. They can buy more down in Brazil or um, in other countries where that type of situation happens. Um, another thing you can have is you can have bankruptcies um, and uh, debt uh, overhaul. Well, just look at what happened when our housing crisis occurred. We saw right, that right. Um, there was write-down of assets. There was, um, you were able to get uh, do short sales. Well, those type of things can happen in all types of industries. So it's not just U.S. housing. I mean, it can happen across the globe and is happening. It's just do we, how much of it has to happen to really get more money moving from the sidelines into the econ various economies around the world so that we can actually have some velocity of money, so we can have turnover of money, so we can have economic activity. Right now, what the concern is we are slowly, slowly go moving towards um, economic absolute zero. And that's because of monetary policy globally is just pump money, pump money, pump money, and get the feeling that there's something happening. But in reality, you're just grinding to a halt. So we have to unwind that. And to unwind that, you've got to have repricing. And to get repricing, 
you have to have deflation or devaluation or massive bankruptcies and re- restructuring of debt. Wow, that's pretty ominous. Joe, I'll let you I'll jump, let, jump in on that one, on that note. Joe, I think he's... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't muted, but not anymore. All right, so... He's there with his mouth dropped. He's saying, I don't know how to respond to this. I, I don't, but but one <laughs> one thing I'd like to do is bring it sort of to our listeners and and mortgage rates. And uh, we've been we've had very low mortgage rates, and 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 the fundamental reason for that is because inflation's been very low. And what mm-hmm. you're describing, uh, all the things that you're describing, to me at least, seem to say inflation is going to stay very very low. In fact, you're hinting that maybe it will become deflation. So, with that in mind, do you uh, do you expect rates to fall further from where we are now throughout 2016? Joe, the answer is yes and no. On the short term, on uh, short term rates, we should certainly see those go higher. Um, in terms of weak credits, absolutely see higher rates. So, when mm-hmm. we talk about junk bonds, things that that trend that started it really began in 2015 is going to continue. In terms of strong credits, U.S. Treasuries and uh, mortgages, um, that's where a lot of people have trouble believing that rates could go lower. Well, are they lower in Germany? You know, we've been seeing 40 basis points for the 10-year. You know, their 10-year. 40 basis points. You know, we're at two, 200 basis points. They're at 40 or or 60. I mean, I can't know exactly. I'd have to look it up. But it's in that range. And then you look at, um, so can we go lower? Yes, U.S. Treasuries can and will go lower, significantly lower. Last year, I was looking forward to get to 135 to 115. Um, we didn't get there. We only got down to what was it, 165, or mm-hmm. I had it had 185. Um, but the reason we, uh, it's I like a quote that says, uh, "You can turn out to be wrong, but at least you have to have the right reason." And I was wrong last year because I had, but I had the right reason. Um, the biggest reason for not seeing it, some of this, more of this happened last year, was basically because the Fed kept dithering. So it's dithering created an environment where you don't see the the real healthy bonfires like a forest coming in and cleansing out the system. It hasn't happened yet, uh, or it has in limited ways, but it hasn't happened in extensive ways. So the short answer is I think that uh, interest rates are going to be slightly lower for uh, for mortgages over this first half of the year. Uh, and then there'll probably be a pretty significant increase late in the second half of the year. Um, but right now is good times for interest rates. In terms of the 10-year, I'm looking for the 10-year to go to about 140 to 120, so just a little higher than what my expectation was the last year. And that's basically because, well, there's a number of reasons I don't want to go into. Yeah. But uh, one, 120 to 140 is what I think the 10-year yield would go to. That won't mean that mortgages drop 80 basis points um, because it is at more the in, the inflection point of the curve. So since it's a little further down and closer to the five-year, 
uh, it's going to be a little more stable, so you won't get that full benefit. You will see some lower rates, though, for more, probably about 50 basis points lower from where we are now. And so do you see the Fed, um, what was your word, are they going to dither again throughout 2016, do nothing? Yes, actually. Uh, you yeah. know, initially when they, uh, when they tightened in December, the anticipation was there would be four um, increases in uh, 2016. Uh, it's already dropped down to anticipation of about two increases. And there's even some uh, well-respected analysts that think what will happen is that the Fed will actually loosen in 2016 in the latter part when uh, some of these things that um, many economists now are looking at and financial analysts are looking at, there will be significantly weaker growth globally, and that's going to cause significant weaknesses in equities. And with that significant weakness, they're all going to want the opium of QE again. And so QE is going to be ratcheted up another level and that the Federal Reserve will be one to come back on with that and what they'll use as negative interest rates as one of their mm -hmm. tools. Um, I don't buy that latter one. I think that they're going to come to the realization that we have to eventually allow the, the markets to heal itself by having the repricing of debt and the, all these type things so that then real money will come in and that will be the true stimulus. But there's a lot of crybabies out there and a lot of addiction to opium out there. <laughs> Pass it on to Alice. Yep, yep, yep. Alice, Alice, let's go over to Alice. Alice, you got any thoughts on this and uh, any questions for Les? Well, hi, Les. How are you doing? Well, you guys have been talking some pretty big global economics, and I know there's uh, – I want to try and tie that into some of the other conversations we've had on the economic front with – you know, MBA, too, in particular. So, Les, I'd like to get your thoughts on the, you know, um, and the loosening or tightening of credit from your vantage point and that impact on the market right now. I, you know, Alice, that actually is a very important issue. Um, one is you do a super job on dealing with all these different regulations and how they're, they impact our, the credit markets. And it has a significant impact on uh, economic activity. Uh, regulations have the increase in regulations has definitely increased the cost of mortgages. Even though we're in a low rate environment and we've seen lower rates, the overall effect has actually been higher cost to consumers. Um, in terms of credit availability, I thought uh, your uh, guest on Licking on Lending uh, a couple of weeks ago that dealt with the housing issue really just uh, hit it out yeah. of the park. He dealt with that uh, as well. Yeah. Right dealt with it as well as anyone out there um, from the domestic perspective, and that is their, the credit is not necessarily too tight right now. It's really more of funds of funds availability to um, the people that need to move into first-time homes or the first move-ups. And so it's really more of an income issue rather than a credit issue. Um, incomes have been weak, um, and that makes it more difficult to accumulate um, cash for closings. Um, and though there are some zero downs and some gift items that have kind of moved back into the market, it's, there's not, there hasn't been uh, as much to anywhere the level pre-crisis, and I do not expect it to. 
there's a lot of reasons to not have those type of policies in place. Um, a lot of good, strong economic reasons for not having those policies in place. And we need to see uh, stronger incomes, which does mean the U.S. needs stronger growth, but it's not going to get it this year. We're going to be more like 1% to 2% growth annually in the United States. Uh, so that's anemic. That's going to keep incomes uh, somewhat uh, depressed. And so you're going to continue to have kind of a lackluster housing market uh, until we can see a little more wealth accumulation and a little more stable to even growing uh, incomes. Let's, I'm looking at the clock. Our time flies so quickly here. So let's get your rate forecast. What are you projecting mortgage rates to be? And give us a range that you see us uh, based on your analysis. And, and then i got a couple of other final questions. To wrap it up, let's get to what are your rates forecast for this year? Sure. Um, it's, it is similar to last year, so we are looking to see uh, rates get down to about 120 to 140 on the 10-year. And then um, for uh, what after, after we get the, the great repricing, then we should see rates increase significantly. If, in fact, we get the investments that we expect. Then we'll see right. interest rates increase because of that. And it's going to, not just because they've invested and now there's some economic activity, but what will happen is there's going to become a scare in the market. And the scare is, uh-oh, rates are going higher. I've got to jettison some of my fixed incomes and move to other type of assets. That leaving the exits is going to create some liquidity problems. So you're going to have some pretty dramatic moves to the upside. Um, I am looking for about two. About say that again. Less did I lose you, Alice? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm Doug. still here. Oh, you? Yeah. yeah. Less did I hear? I, I think we may have lost. He dropped off with some of that. So, yep, less, less dropped off. I just see that. He can see if he dials back in here in just a minute. <clears throat> what I'm really wanting to get to is we're going to see interest rates dropping. And what the last question I really want to get to, and hopefully we can get less back in here in just a minute, is here about um, – oh, there he is. Good. Let me – less. Let's see. We're turning on his mic. It's working. It's hopefully working here. But we're um, wanting to find out exactly what's going on as it relates to the volatility that he's talking about. So, Les, are you there? Well, I think he got dropped. Oh, there I see him. He's back up at the top of the list. We found him again. Okay, Les, last question. Sorry you dropped out there. Um, last yep, question no is problem. all the volatility, this, the repricing that you're talking about. Uh, that's that's going to be the great repricing, I like as you say it. <clears throat> what does this have an impact on mortgage lending? Is this going to be good for mortgage lending, ugly for mortgage lending? I mean, how should mortgage lenders plan should we see the great repricing you're talking about? Um they're going to see significantly higher rates. Um, we saw once we get through that. We have two charts on your on your uh, podcast. You can Website. people can yeah. go there and see two charts. Those two charts are really the critical. They're also going to be able to sign up at loanlogics.com to be able to get the newsletter and the forecast is going out tomorrow. Um, and they'll be able to see uh, our graphs that we have on there and see a couple items. 
One is, is that interest rates have been in narrow ranges and trending lower for nearly 30 years, three zero years. Right. We went through a major shift and transition back in the 80s. That's where we saw significant volatility where every year except one was over 200 basis points range. We are going to see that again soon. It should be this year and probably next year. So we're going to see when are we anticipating seeing that this year? When are you anticipating that? I anticipate that you'll get your dip down, dip down before the end of the year, or excuse me, before the end of the middle of the year. So uh, in the next okay. few more months, we should get our big dip down in rates. That will be about 40 basis points lower in mortgage rates where they are now, maybe 50. Then we should see about 100 to 150 basis points, maybe more, move in the 10-year uh from those levels and maybe even out to 200 to 250, that should translate for the mortgages going up that equal amount. So on the upside, it will be comparable. So 150 to 250 basis points range after a 50 basis points drop should not be unexpected for 2016. So we'll be closing out the year at what kind of rate range for mortgage backs, uh, for mortgages? What kind of rate uh, range? Well, if you, if you look at five? us being a can you? Are you there? Yep, we're here. You loud, clear. Okay. Yeah. So if you were, if we look at rates now, and call them four percent right now, we go down to around three and a half. Then I would be expecting right. us to be closing out the year um, up closer to five. That's what I thought. Yeah. Well, that's which is yeah. pretty. And close I know to that. Not, look, there's a lot of reasons why it should. You you can make a case that we're just going to have another blah year this year. It is not impossible yeah, for another neutral year. But I don't expect that. I expect to see a pretty significant rise in rates, but only after the decline in rates. Decline in rates. Got to May, have K, first, May K during the first two years, I mean, the first two um, uh, quarters, and then uh, brace yourself for potential possible volatility. Like you said, it could be another blah year, but mm, more and more it's people are pointing to it. If you start it, seeing movement, Look, uh, one thing I'll make close with this: yeah. stock markets. A lot of people think when you enter into bear markets that it means that people that it's companies or countries go into recessions. That's not necessarily true. In fact, many times what you see is a major bear market, and then you see significant economic growth. I'm inclined to okay. think that's what's going to happen this time. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Les, thank you so much. We've had Les Parker, who is Senior Vice President for Loan Logics, on talking to us about what we can anticipate this year. Appreciate you, Les, being here each and every week or each and every year. You come in numerous times during the year on a very short notice, and I thank you so much for being here with us. Check it out. Sign up for his uh, blogs. And again, what's the best way for them to sign up? Is it going to uh, what website? How, how can they go? Is it Loan Logics website? LoanLogics.com. They'll find it, and it's for Market Logics. Yep, it's market logic. And by the way, folks, you're not going to get a bunch of sales ads. This is just pure less writing. It's well done. It's well written. You will not be disappointed. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be focusing on one program for the M&A. Chuck Klein will be as our special guest. We're going to talk about it. M&A. He'll be giving an M&A update, getting a lot of interest in the mortgage mergers and acquisitions. We'll be talking about that. Then we're going to be diving into some trade issues. I can't wait to get Alice scheduled here talking about Humda. 
lots of activity. We appreciate you tuning in each and every week and uh, talking to or letting us talk to you and share with you. We appreciate your feedback. And, uh, again, thank you to all the sponsors that are knocking on our door. We're getting you on as fast as we can. Whoops. Didn't mean to hit that one quite as fast. Well, that is it. That's what's time for the program to end. This Have a great week, everybody. Thank you. A weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln, Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening.